Welcome to the Create Something Awesome Today podcast, where it's all about educating and motivating creative pros and entrepreneurs from around the world with simple and easy to implement ideas. And of course, helping you create something awesome today. And now, welcome your host. He is the founder of Founder of Awesome Creator Academy, a YouTube educator, and the biggest Star Wars nerd you'll ever meet, Roberto Blake. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Great Something Awesome Today podcast. This is your host, Roberto Blake, helping you create something awesome today. Welcome back to the show. I know it's been a minute since we've done an episode of the podcast. We're going to be talking about YouTube shorts today, uh, but we're not going to be keeping it short. We're going to be doing ourselves a little bit of a YouTube long. I just want to thank you. And uh, we have the audio version almost caught up on the podcast. There are over 60 episodes. I think this might be episode 70, in fact. So you want to make sure you check that out. We have those over on Apple, Spotify, um, Google Podcasts, basically everywhere podcasts can be downloaded. But I also have a treat for you all. I'm going to bring in a special guest today. And this is somebody many of you, if you've been following me for a while, are familiar with. So let's go ahead and bring them in. Here is this week's awesome guest. Today we have Viper, the man about tech. Viper, welcome to the Create Something Awesome Today podcast. Woo, baby, we are live. What is going on, Roberto? How you doing? I'm doing good, Viper. How about you? I am good, sir. Thank you for having me tonight. Appreciate you. No, it's always uh, my pleasure. So for the uh, handful of people in my audience who don't necessarily know who you are, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself? Oh, my God. This is funny because I was asking the question a lot last year, and I have not been asked much this year. But what's up, people? This is your boy, Viper, the man about tech. I also happen to be an executive producer over at a little company that some of y'all might be familiar with called VidIQ, YouTube education company. So... I make tech content on YouTube, been doing it for four years now. Uh, at vidIQ, I host their Tube Talk podcast. I do channel audits and talk to your favorite creators and different things like that. So that's a little bit about who I am. Yes, indeed. And yeah, you and I, we've been uh, friends in the YouTube community for years. You're someone who's been a part of my community, supporting me. Uh, you know, you were one of the first people to ever do a super chat on my channel whenever that feature came out. And uh, we also have a lot of mutual friends, Travis MCP, who also uh, works at uh, VidIQ, as well as uh, Jeff El Jefe, um, Shelly Saves, uh, so many other uh, wonderful people that we all know and love personally and everything like that. And John Prosser from Page Tech, uh, just so many people, uh, technically T. So we have a lot of friends in common, and we've actually... Um, you know, met in person multiple times at these different events, Vid Summit. So yeah, it's it's been amazing. It's been quite a journey for us, I would say. I would have to agree, definitely. And it looks like we are probably going to meet again in person this year at VidCon, I believe. Uh, yeah, as long as I end up going to VidCon, I'm hoping to speak there and everything like that. We'll see what happens. But uh, I spoke in 2018 um, and then we had like a snafu scheduling wise uh, with something cause they sold to Viacom and they had to fit all this new stuff in. So I was scheduled to speak in 2019. That didn't happen. Um, I did the virtual version, I think for 2020 and 2021 during the uh, pandemic. So it'd be great. Um, and I know um, that uh, Jim Lauterbach would probably be very interested in having me back. So, you know, it's something to think about. Indeed, man. Indeed. So I wanted to talk tonight about a couple of different things with YouTube specifically. And I wanted to just like kind of get your opinion on this. Viper, what have, what have people been saying around the water cooler when it comes to YouTube shorts? Oh, man. YouTube shorts might be some of the most polarizing topics in the recent memory of being a YouTuber. Uh, people feel like they can get subscribers real fast with YouTube shorts and some people have. Uh, some people like myself won't do them on their main channel. Uh, some people like Mr. Beast and Marquez have made dedicated channels to do them. Some people do them on their main channel with their long form content. There's a whole bunch of different schools of thought when it comes to YouTube shorts. Ultimately, I feel like it, what it really comes down to is what is best for your audience and your content strategy. Um, 
and you just have to look at what you do and what your objective is on your individual channel and then figure out if YouTube short is going to be a good fit for you and your audience and then go from there. Yeah. To give those of you who may not be super familiar with YouTube shorts a little bit primer on them, uh, YouTube shorts are similar to TikTok videos in the sense of when TikTok originally came out, TikTok was uh, 60 second vertical videos. Uh, most of the funnier or more effective ones tend to be about 15 seconds or so. And one of the big features with TikTok is they were letting you use popular music that you would normally hear on the radio and things like that without the typical copyright issues, uh, that copyright nightmare that we usually associate with uh, YouTube. Uh, but not me so much because I use Epidemic Sound. Link in the description of the podcast, both on the audio and the video side. Uh, but yeah, I use Epidemic Sound and then I don't worry about that. Um, and that's why I'm not having my own ghost producers make stuff for uh, Zenbuster music. But with YouTube Shorts, the idea was to give you a TikTok-like feature in YouTube and let it be a different and separate video format. They've even worked out some things with licensing uh, music, uh, their plans to expand that, I'm hearing. And so you can use some uh, copyrighted music without problems on YouTube Shorts, and they have a decent library and selection for that. I'm sure they'll expand that, work out some deals on the back end. And on top of all of that, on top of all of that, YouTube shorts, much like TikTok, have this viral potential to get massive amounts of views. And so this just feels like um, it gives everybody an opportunity on YouTube again, uh, like back in the old days where you could make short videos, short, goofy, funny videos, with nothing but your smartphone, um, you know, back in old YouTube, when smartphones were more prominent, more readily available with the invention of the iPhone uh, coming to prominence, the Samsung Galaxy line coming to prominence. So in a way, it's old YouTube. YouTube Shorts, in a way, is old YouTube, even though it's a yep. new feature. Um, and it brings back that uh, short, accessible, hey, I could blow up and be a viral video idea back. The thing is, it also, that's not reliable. It's, it feels very random. The thing I don't like about YouTube Shorts Viper is I don't like the lack of predictability and I don't like the fact that you don't really make any money doing them. Yeah, I think that's like the biggest pain point with Shorts right now as it relates to most creators that uh, you don't really make much money with them and they don't, you don't, um, their content is so short that they don't count for watch hours to get into YouTube monetization program. Although the way YouTube is doing it, is that you don't necessarily have to be in their monetization program to make money off of short. They have a whole entire short uh, uh, fund set aside for short, depending on how many views you get. Yeah, but but, it's, but yeah. to be honest, it's not. I mean, you go yeah. viral, you get a million views. You're lucky if you make twenty dollars. Yeah. Oh yeah. With YouTube Shorts, TikTok is even worse. Oh god, well, let's not talk about TikTok. <laughs> well, we will. We we have to talk about it. We have to talk about it. But, <laughs> But again, I, I understand it feels accessible and um, I feel like and it's not just for young people, but I feel it's more I feel both TikTok and YouTube shorts it, with very few exceptions. And there are some exceptions and there's ways to do it. And there is an audience for everything. I feel like it's a young person's game. I feel like it was a play to try to harness uh, Gen Z because that uh, when TikTok came out culturally, Gen Z, their culture, their music, their trends, their um, idols, all of that you know, BTS, um, you know, K-pop, yay, all that stuff. It's um, dominates TikTok and culture and it's just a different vibe. And it and it's not that it's exclusively the dominion of young people, but that's what dominates Gen Z wanted their own space and they have it. And it's mostly called TikTok. It, but the thing is other platforms like YouTube and Instagram don't want to lose that upcoming market of young adults uh, and they want to harness it the way they um, had harnessed millennials. So who are now almost, if you're, I mean, millennials are turning like 40, I'll be 38 this year. So the, um, you know, 38 buying homes and everything like that. I haven't popped out any kids yet, but yeah, like, but that's what like, you know, millennials are adults now. We're not kids anymore. They want the next generation of young people that uh, drive consumerism um, and it's smart, but it, I don't think that culturally, I don't think that YouTube shorts equals TikToks. I don't no. think that you win the Gen Z market just by making the same features, because yeah. I think that once they have their culture, it's set in stone. Yeah, you can dictate other platform features all you want, but it is extremely difficult, hell, next to impossible to 
try to duplicate a platform culture. Although you blew my mind with something that you told me last year when YouTube made their controversial decision to remove the YouTube short or the dislike counter, excuse me. Um, you said that YouTube did that to uh, have platform parity with the TikToks and the other platforms in the world who did not have a dislike counter. And that kind of blew my mind at the time. And I'm like, YouTube is still the biggest platform out there, even right now. So for them to try to like level the playing field with other platforms, even though they are still the market leader, but like, they do it all the time. Oh, I, oh, I'm sure. But when you back when you told me that last year, I'm like, really? YouTube try to level the playing field with other platforms? But but it, you've it seen the sense. evidence, dude. Yeah. Oh yeah. We've seen the evidence, and we've seen it before. We see the evidence when they moved and they did the community tab. We saw when they did the community tab. We saw what that was like. We saw what they did YouTube stories. It's like, hello. So we had that. And they've been features and things from other platforms before multiple times. And the thing is, what they saw is when they had shorts, shorts doesn't have like a public prominent dislike count. Neither does Instagram and neither does TikTok. Uh, You have to drill down to be able to try to find like how many dislikes something got on TikTok. Yeah, and the other... Yeah, and the other thing that uh, YouTube is doing this year, they're really drilling down into live stream features. I mean, speaking of borrowing features, come from for platform, Twitch, they're taking right, right. all of Twitch's. Right, right. They just they just uh, implemented or uh, or borrowed Twitch's raid feature, and I I, I know they're uh, they're calling it uh, redirect. But yeah, YouTube yeah. now has raid, so that that's so. New. See what I mean when I I keep saying things like it's like guys features or uh, features that become utility, improve themselves, become ubiquity other platforms i keep saying this and people keep thinking that it's features that make platforms unique it's culture that makes platforms unique it's user bases it's trends it's the way that people behave because at the end of the day all these platforms when there's something that's a utility that you they can't say is proprietary they're just gonna steal it they always do and and that's how it is and it makes sense and why wouldn't you? I mean, and to be real with you, everybody copied YouTube. Everybody was doing everything but video. And then they all decided that they wanted a piece of YouTube's pie. Like yep. Facebook, there wasn't hardly, there was like Facebook took video because of YouTube. Oh, yeah. uh, LinkedIn decided video and live streaming because of YouTube. Uh, like it became more of a focus on Instagram because of YouTube. Instagram was a photo sharing yeah. platform. And even with stories, it was like they were just taking that from Snapchat. They weren't going into video. When they decided to do IGTV, failure that that was, that was a direct play to compete with YouTube. And, I mean, it is what it is. But you know, Roberto, it it goes back to what you just said about culture. Again, you can copy all the features you want to copy, but you you can't dictate that culture like TikTok. They just implemented a feature now where they're allowing for 10 minute videos. (laughs) That's a mistake. I'm not going to TikTok to watch a 10 minute video. I'm not doing that. Like at some point you are what you are. And no matter how many features that you steal, I'm not going to go to TikTok to watch a 10 minute video. And if I want to watch short form content, I'm not really going to YouTube shorts. I'm probably spending more time on TikTok watching shorter form content. I will say that I like, I don't really like being on TikTok that much. I'll do it every now and again, but I like watching stuff mindlessly at night when I'm trying to like fall asleep uh, and scrolling through uh, YouTube Shorts, because YouTube Shorts does have its own culture of how people make content for YouTube Shorts. It's not just regurgitated TikToks. I've loved some of the Reddit stuff that makes it into YouTube Shorts. I've also loved the way that um, some people from the anime community use YouTube Shorts and how they're giving me snippets of certain things. I also like that snippets of um, really saucy lines from like my favorite um, TV shows that I might have like forgot about, like show up and stuff like that. It's like makes me say, oh, what is that episode of Suits? Oh, what is that episode of Peaky Blinders? And um, just like some of the most savage moments from these shows. So I'm like, I just start scrolling that and see, oh, that was like, oh, that was a good line. Oh, well, that was like a good scene. It's like, oh, wow, I'm just going to go watch the episode now. So like it makes me, YouTube Shorts makes me want to tune in like on Netflix and get like a very specific part of an episode of a very specific show just off of like uh, one little like clip sometimes, you know? Or it'll make me look up an interview. Sometimes there'll be these clips from people's podcast. And let me go like, wait, what's the episode of that podcast? And what podcast is that? Yeah, and the, the internet worked pretty fast, too. Yeah, I mean, I'm amazed at how quick the uh, Will Smith, Chris Rock uh, thing became a sound on TikTok. Oh, my Lord. And how quickly it became a meme in yeah. every platform. Oh, yeah. 
in every platform. Annette, our friend Annette from Coffee Talk says, I did a three-minute TikTok and it's my best performing video so far, better than all the short videos I've put out since I've started about three weeks ago. Oh, that's pretty dope. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, um, I, I, like, and a board fan, uh, Jared, has a point. YouTube shorts are great for people who like uh, short-form content but don't like TikTok. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm on YouTube already. That's why... Yeah. I mean, that's where my consumption happens. I'm already on YouTube. I go to TikTok when someone shares a TikTok with me in uh, in my uh, iMessage. That's like when someone just texts me a TikTok and says, hey, look at this. This is funny. That's why I end up on TikTok. I don't usually go there that much on my own unless somebody, which is probably a lot of people, or at least a lot of people over 25 anyway. <laughs> like, so, you know, it's a thing. But between YouTube and TikTok, since their monetization is based on these creator funds, it's it's you would think that it's uh, the rich get richer and the poor get poor, but actually it's just the poor get poor. Yeah, I will say one thing. And in fact, the rich get poor. Even the rich get poor with this. It's the rich get poor, the poor get poor, the middle class get poor. Everyone's gets poor. You're poor. You're poor. Everybody's poor. Yeah, like that. That's how creator funds work because creator funds really do work in a scarcity model of the more people that are participating, the less all of the everything is worth. Yeah. I will say one thing for YouTube Shorts, though, because they're pushing it so hard. It is definitely a chance for smaller creators to blow up. Um, I had a Absolutely. friend recently. Um, I had a friend who had less than a thousand subscribers in December. Uh, one of her YouTube Shorts blew up to 50 million views, and now she has over 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. And that happened over a two-month period. You, it, it does give you that old-school feeling of anybody can blow up and be famous again. It yeah. does give you back that aspect of YouTube's culture. But what I find is that it's very hard for people who get traction on shorts to get traction on non-shorts content. Yeah, that's I think the it's one great for brand show. building. I think it's horrible for channel building because I think viewer behavior doesn't translate from shorts to regular videos. I mean, and you've audited enough channels to where I'm sure you've seen that. You and the yeah. folks at VidIQ have been talking about YouTube shorts since the beginning. So you guys see a lot of stuff on that. You guys have a lot of conversations about it. I'm sure you guys have whole meetings just about YouTube shorts. <laughs> Yeah, the you're right. Uh, the the short blow up don't really translate to long form content. I, I also don't translate into money you can live off of for the most part. No, but uh, what they what they can do, depending on if you're a savvy creator, they can get you uh, more eyes on you and farm brand deals and different things like that. Because you know, once you blow up and get those numbers, then you get noticed a little bit more. Yeah, they can. I mean, I think shorts can be used uh, and TikTok can be used to like blow up your Instagram. And then Instagram is where I think the real money is for brand deals. And I think people are sleeping on it. I think everyone is underestimating that you make more money on brand deals per everything proportionately, proportionately make more money on brand deals than you do on Instagram than any other platform, in my opinion, even YouTube. Mm. And I'm talking just like effort to dollar ratio. I'm talking effort to dollar ratio. You make more like I have 20,000 followers on Instagram, dude, I've got brand deals from 2,000, 4,000 campaigns at 9,000. That's like, that's comparable to like YouTubers with 100,000 subscribers with 20,000 followers on TikTok, I'm not TikTok, um, on 20,000 followers on Instagram. Yeah, okay. I remember. Uh... You have to have bigger numbers on TikTok to do anywhere near that. Oh, yeah. Like Instagram for brand deals, if you get your niche right, um, is phenomenal. Phen yeah, remember, people, uh... people have no idea, they're sleeping on it. <laughs> I remember talking to Superstaff about this and he was talking about how he, like you said, he had brand deal for Instagram and he just shows up, take a picture and he's done. <laughs> like, yeah. That, that effort to dollar ratio is it's real. It's legit. Mm, yeah. That effort, the dollar, like when people think about being a content creator, the idea and business concept of effort to dollar ratio is something no one talks about. You will not like, I'm one of the, have, am I not one of the only people you've ever heard use the phrase effort to dollar ratio? I don't think I've ever heard that phrase before tonight. <laughs> but it, but when you think about being a content creator, the word effort, the, the words effort to dollar ratio, when you think about being a content creator, it's like, how much effort did I put in? How much money did I make? Effort to dollar ratio, baby. It's like people, I've talked to so many creators. They're like, wow, I put in all this effort and the video that I put the least effort on got all these views and made all so much more money or blah, 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 blah. It's like, so it's, um, it's, it's very, from my standpoint, it's very important. Like I know a lot of people, they don't like to think about the money. They want to think more about the impact. Like I think about the money because the money is a um, irrefutable measurement of value. 
And it's, um, it, it's, it's, I would rather be validated, to be honest with you. I'd very be validated in terms of the dollars and knowing that like a brand respects me or that my content was valued by the advertisers more than like anything else. Cause I feel like those dollars are less fickle than relevancy and attention and status and clout. So it's like, I would much rather play money games than status games because um, you could like a good, a good business relationship and a good income source and income stream and a good deal that you negotiated is a much more practical way and a less emotional way of validating yourself. And it's much more reliable than having number, these numbers that go up and down. And sure, like theoretically, money is not the best way to validate yourself. I'm not saying it is. It's not the healthiest way to validate yourself. But if you're going to choose between two unhealthy things, I think that money is less fickle and ephemeral than dollars. And I think there, it's easier to not be emotional um, about it if you're using the, the money instead of status and clout, because I just feel like it's more reliable and less fickle and you yeah. can measure it. You know, it's, it's you know, it's something that, is, that can uh, be more reliable. That is and clout comes and goes so easily. It's so fluid. Um, but if you have a system to make money on a consistent basis, that is definitely more, uh, more stable than relying on status and clout. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, you could have your growth, you know, a lot of YouTubers that have made it that have millions of subscribers, they're not growing anymore. Like they're that whatever their subscribers account is, it's basically frozen in time because they're gaining and losing about the same amount. So they're just kind of like, this is where they are, but at least their money's either reliable or their money is growing. So like, you know, I mean, cause in that situation, how can you tie the, um, yourself to, the numbers and to the audience at that point, there's no more growth. And there is a plateau for YouTubers that get millions of subscribers. There's some people that that's okay. You hit 3 million. That's where you are from now on. Congratulations. And it's great. Like, you know, you got millions of subscribers, but it's, it's got to hurt as someone who saw their numbers going up and growing to get to a place to where you don't. Don't tell it to Mr. Beast though. That man about to hit hundred million. Oh, the yeah, exception that proves the rule, my friend. <laughs> yeah. You know? um, but speaking of, I mean, he like people don't understand. He's been he was a small YouTuber almost as long as he's been big. Now, people have been like are all up on like, you know, Mr. Beast now. But it's like he'd become like big time until like 2017, 2018, something like that. He'd been in the game longer, like as a small YouTuber than he has as a big YouTuber. You know, he spent oh, yeah. more time at less than a million subscribers than he's been at over a million subscribers. Like, I didn't even know it, but he really, he's literally been on, on the uh, platform for 10 years. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And he spent like, you know, five or six of those as a small YouTuber. Like he was like, he was still a small YouTuber, like four or five years ago or something like that. Yeah. Like six years ago, six years, I think in 20, I think in like, I think like in 2017 or something like that, he might have still been at like. 10,000 or 50,000 or something like that. Yep. Yeah. So let's, let's go back and attack the question at hand though tonight. Are YouTube shorts really worth it? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that. It's like, who is effort the dollars? Hell no. Same thing for yeah. TikTok though. Same thing for TikTok. Effort the dollars? No. Um, and again, it's not to say you can't make money on TikTok or shorts, it'll be brand deals. But man, do you have to do the numbers? You have to do the numbers. Like it's yeah. not a thing with YouTube. You could build a reputation to where you don't always have to do the numbers with Instagram. You can build a reputation to not always have to do big numbers and you can do all right. You could make a, you could not do numbers and you can still make a living on YouTube. Yep. You know, uh, you can not do numbers and still like do really well on Instagram. You know, it could still be really good. And you can, and on YouTube and Instagram, you got a better chance of selling stuff. But I'll tell you, the YouTube Shorts audience and the TikTok audience don't want to buy jack. No, they don't no, want to buy nothing. They don't want to buy nothing. Like, I, like I don't think they're all socialists, but maybe because they don't buy. <laughs> no, they don't they're, buy they're, nothing. No, you're not watching thirty uh, sixty second uh, thirty second videos to buy something. You usually want to be briefly entertained and move on, move on with your life. Basically, and again, it's a younger audience, so it's not necessarily yeah. a buying demographic. I mean, it's not to say that young people are all broke and struggling, but it's like, well, I was when I was like in my twenties, I was broke and struggling. No, it's just a different intent. So, yeah. so here's the thing. I think we talked about this before, but. 
the short audience and the long form audience are two different sets of people entirely. Yes. When like like when you are talking about somebody watching the video for longer than a minute, we'll call them the long form audience. Yes. A lot of times they might be watching with the intent to get more information so they can make a purchasing decision or they want more information or something like that. Chances are, if you're watching a YouTube short, you're just there to be entertained or learn something really quickly and then move on with your life. You're not there to to uh, to gain information about buying something. You're not there to make a purchasing decision. I can see it working. You. And yeah, when I can see it are. working is yeah. I can see if you like. I can see YouTube shorts and TikTok promoting somebody's music and somebody's album mm -hmm. or somebody, oh, stream it for free on Spotify. And then, okay, you get the royalties off of that and everything. Because again, I think it really is short attention span people, but also people that are about the freebies. I think it's that culture. YouTube, drastically different. Best buying demographic in the market, as far as yep. I'm concerned, are YouTube, podcast, people who watch YouTube, podcast, and uh, long live streams on Twitch. Those are buyers, in my opinion. Yep. Uh, and from my experience, but speaking of bias, uh, thank you, JT Coin Rings, with the one dollar ninety nine cent super chat. Hello, Roberto and guests. Good to be in the live. Good to have you in the live. And we do thank everyone who joins the live experience and everybody who donates super chats. Uh, that really does help out dramatically here on the podcast. Whenever you guys do send in those super chats, it is greatly appreciated because we monetized over here. We'll probably make more money on a uh, stream that gets a thousand views than anybody will get from a hundred thousand views on TikTok or YouTube Shorts. <laughs> and that's the truth. Also, shout out to the forty-one of y'all watching the live stream tonight. Appreciate all y'all being here. This is kind of a late hour, but we appreciate y'all. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, one thing I will say is I think that if you are part of like uh, BookTube and BookTok, um, like you know that you can. You can push and you can promote books. I do think that that's a cultural thing. I think music and books, you can absolutely push and promote on YouTube Shorts and TikTok. I also think it does work for awareness around video games and movies. And I would also say uh, things in sports. So there are some specific things. But again, I feel it's more promo. I don't feel like it's direct sales the way that like a YouTube product review is direct sales. Yeah, right. I feel like it's more promo and brand awareness. And I think that that can translate to dollars in a different way. So it's not that I think that there's no monetary value to TikTok or YouTube shorts. I just think it's much more roundabout than a regular YouTube video or even like a live stream. Or and here's the thing, like, I think every creator that is considering doing shorts on their YouTube channel needs to think about, does it fit in? Like I said earlier, does it make sense for your content strategy? Does it make sense for your audience? Is it, is it, some, is it a topic or something that, that can be better served as a YouTube short? Because as you said, Roberto, I've audited countless numbers of channels about now. And sometimes I go to these channels and I'm looking at them. They do long form videos and then they have a bunch of short uh with all with their content i'm like i don't know if this makes a lot of sense but you know i don't think for most youtube channels it makes sense to mix and match i think for some it could i think yeah. for some entertainment channels i think for some purely entertainment channels it can mix and match but i don't think for most you know i mean the uh, some education channels can do it the only education channels that i've seen do it really well are the future and also Ali Abdal. Ali Abdal doesn't do it very often. The future almost went all in on shorts, but I don't think they're being rewarded in the same way they used to be for it. I don't think YouTube shorts is treating them right. Something is up. It's not treating them right the way it used to because it used to give them so many views, but it's not being consistent with that. Their long form videos were doing it before that. And I like, I really feel like their long form whiteboard lecture education was really um, the key. And I think if they go back to that, they'll be getting a ton of views off of that because it's so valuable and it was such unique value content. It was like, not, it was like, oh, I don't have to pay for a college course now because I'll just go to Chris Doe in the future. And that's yeah. like, so good, but let's take this. Uh, let's take uh, this uh, comment here, and then these two super checks, and I'll let you uh, say what you were gonna say there. So, Michael Pepper Tech, long form content seems to be more information, learning, 
Short form is more entertainment for quick tips. Couldn't agree more. Thank you to that nerd, Chris, for the $20 super chat, even though you don't have a comment there, but we always happy to see you in the stream. Oh, he said that's a million TikTok views right there. That's what he said. <laughs> oh, that's what, he, that's what he did. That makes sense. And then we got Elliot, family of seven, coming Elliot, here clutch with the $10. I always enjoy when you have Viper here. Thank you for the gems. No, thank you for the super chats, and uh, thank you, Viper, for being on. But you were saying? Yeah, I was saying that, you know, I feel like YouTube Shorts is like playing the lottery mm. for a lot of creators. Yes. They want they want to try to do them to try to blow up or go viral or do, do something like that. I don't know if they do it with the intent of committing to shorts long term. Um, I was just doing a channel audit earlier today on uh, on Clubhouse and there was a channel I was talking to and they had a lot of YouTube Shorts. And when I searched by their most popular content, it was the YouTube Shorts that were getting the, them the bulk of their views. And I'm like, listen. I'm looking at your most popular videos, and most of them are YouTube shorts. So maybe you might want to consider doing more YouTube shorts since that's where the majority of your views are coming from. So mm. in that type of situation, I would, uh, if, you, if you've done a few shorts and they do get traction for you, I would recommend staying with it and seeing what you can I'd do. I'd lean that. into it. I'd lean into yeah. it. But the thing is, if that's the case, it's hard if you were trying to win on long form, then you did right. shorts, and then you did. And see, that's where... Um, and again, I love Christo in the future, and we've been good friends since he back when he had thirty thousand um, like subscribers. Him and Jose Caballero, and um, like uh, back when they were branded as the school instead of the future. And um, so, like I've I've been there throughout their whole journey. Um, you know, and we we've talked a lot about YouTube over the years. And the thing that I feel is that there is a uniqueness to. Uh, content if you're doing well it's usually that you're doing something that there is an audience for and also you're bringing something to the table that that audience cannot get anywhere else and that makes a huge difference and i think that's what gets someone to a million subscribers and the future and christo i think they got to a million without even doing shorts because shorts was new but they're at two million now uh, and i think a lot of that is shorts uh, as a result but the the issue is I don't feel like they're getting the mileage out of shorts that they used to. And I don't necessarily know that there was some massive change on the YouTube algorithm side, but I did see the change in the way they were approaching their content and they were doing more shorts and doing it uh, very aggressively. But what built the foundation of their channel, what their audience originally came for was the extremely well-produced long form content that they could not get anywhere else because it was done lecture style even with people in an audience. And it was, the, it was basically like getting to be part of a college course masterclass for free. And that was the unique content. Now it's great. The shorts have these viral snappy. Yeah. Tell me how to charge clients. Oh, I like seeing this, um, this uh, like, you know, this uh, pitch, or I like seeing this uh, role play on sales, the sales role play. I think they should do sales role play, YouTube shorts of sales role play and salesmanship like once or twice a week. And I think that they should do the whiteboard lecture videos once a week. And then I think that that would kill it for them. And then they sprinkle eight to 12 minute videos in between that are single serving lessons or hot takes from Chris, four minute hot takes where he goes in on something and it's like gold. And that would probably, I'd probably actually tell, talk to them about that. Cause I think that that would be gold for them. Cause I think when you're trying to do education content, I don't think YouTube shorts outside of the quickest explainer video ever, or a 60 second book review or book summary, or like uh, five tips in six sec 60 seconds or less, or six tips in 60 seconds. That's cute. That's clever. And that works or something like sales role play. But it's like when you want to be educated, like to some extent, nah, you may not be tuning into a three-hour video, but it's nice if you get a 45-minute or one-hour lecture that is, oh, wow, that makes you say, oh, wow, I learned more in this one hour than I did in a whole semester of college. Yeah, some things have so much nuance that it is literally impossible to get that down in a minute or less video. Yeah, there, I mean, there's just some things. And the thing is, it can be great a great way to make education entertaining, I think that that works yeah. sometimes, but we got a uh, carrot juice podcast. Love you coming in clutch. 
1999 super chat see we already made more than anyone will make off of tiktok for a million views or youtube shorts for a million views already in the course of this show and thank you everybody for pulling that off thank you everyone for pulling off and making a point <laughs> long form for the win but you're so glad to see you back with a much needed episode always learn something tangible from these your perspective on creating content has helped me immensely appreciate your roberto positive advice thank you i couldn't ask for a better compliment than that oh yeah right stick roberto you'll learn something definitely yeah i mean yeah shorts are great for getting views and subs but i don't think that it creates the same level of loyalty for when you're doing something outside of shorts if they sign up for shorts then they about them shorts remember uh with john prosser when uh i first like mentored um him as a friend on some things when he was struggling as a small youtuber many many years ago um, back around like the iPhone 10 launch that takes us way back. That's like back in the day. Ooh. And you remember the thing I said was, it's like, dude, they signed up for front page tech and you're doing like these three or four different other things instead of the funny show, your best flagship performing thing, just do front page tech brand. Everything is front page tech, do front page tech, do what's working. It's like, I told him, Hey, do me a favor, commit to this for like three, six months, and like, let's see some numbers, man. Just commit for three, six months. Just trust me, just three months. And this, like, he's like, he does it for like two or three weeks and says, well, views are a tripled. <laughs> like, oh. it's like, that's the thing, though, right? Experiment over. We're just doing it. We're scrapping everything else. <laughs> Did nobody comment that uh, you got 90,000 views and uh, 193 from doing the shorts? And that's good. But like me and Roberto were talking about earlier, will that convert over to when you make longer videos? Now, if you're a short only channel, then by all means do what you got to do but if you have long form content on your channel as well you might pile up a bunch of stuff from doing youtube short but will they watch your other long form videos and chances are they won't yeah it's it's rough you know or at least not in the same numbers or not even what feels yep. appropriate or proportional i mean yep. my favorite one of my favorite youtube shorts creator and he's doing it right and he's doing youtube shorts he's posting to to Instagram Reels, he's posting it to Facebook Reels as well, and TikTok, and he started from TikTok during the pandemic. It's Max the Meat Guy. Max the Meat Guy is the best, y'all. He's the best. Oh, the Meat Guy, um, you know. Oh, I've heard of, I've heard about the Meat Guy. <laughs> yeah, I have to have Max the Meat Guy on the show sometime to uh, give all the counter arguments in favor. Because, like, short, look, I'm not against short form content. There's some great content that is suited to it, and the virality that the that shorts reels. And uh, TikTok all provide uh, is powerful. And it also is just nice to see numbers sometimes. I'll be real with y'all. I've been posting Instagram Reels Viper. Um, I'm posting uh, some short form stuff I've been making in the studio downstairs to um, Reels, um, a highlights channel where we're also going to do clips from the podcast. So the thing is, we are going to mix like five minute or less videos, three to five minute videos with YouTube Shorts on the Roberto Blake highlights channel. So we're going to take stuff from the podcast, cut it down to like three or five minute segments, but we're also going to do 30, 60 second YouTube shorts in general on that thing. And we'll mix and match there. And we're going to run some tests over there. It's going to work out however it works out. So we'll probably do a hundred videos this year that way. Um, but we'll mix and match maybe 50 shorts, maybe be 50 clips. We'll see. But the, the thing is, I am reluctant to do that sort of thing. We tried doing clips here on the podcast channel and it worked out okay, but I feel like uh, what I want to do is I want to give it uh, the clips and the highlights their own thing. So that's what I came up with as a highlights channel. So I could do both types of short form content. Okay, cool. We could keep the podcast channel, the podcast channel. A lot of people are doing clip channels and it's working out really well for them. It's another channel to monetize too, but here's the, here's the thing the virality or the boosting and, and Instagram is doing really good with reels. My reels outperform the highlights channel for YouTube shorts and my reels outperform TikTok. but I don't have a lot of followers on TikTok, So I think over time, maybe it goes differently there, or maybe one of them goes viral for some weird reason, something we'll see, but what's consistent. See, the thing is algorithm wise, Instagram reels is more consistent on its performance from my experience than YouTube shorts and TikTok, And it's not even close. Yeah. Instagram reels. And lately with what they've been doing with their bonuses and their stuff, Instagram reels and Facebook have been paying better Viper. 
they've oh, yeah, been I've heard. paying. I have heard. Oh, the bag my, is real. my question about Instagram Reels, though. Mm-hmm. Um, like you, like, okay, so you can amass followers on TikTok. You can amass followers with YouTube Short. But can you amass followers with Instagram yes. Reels? Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. And remember what I said about Instagram? The brand deals money, Viper. So on right. top of the fact, the way they're paying creators with their stuff, because they're doing these bonuses, they pay better. And the sponsors are legit because Instagram is a buying platform. Instagram <laughs> is consumerism. Instagram is, ooh, where you get that outfit? I'm going to go buy it. That's like, it's consumerism. Yeah. Like Instagram is, oh, where you get that bookshelf? I want, the, oh, that's that like, that mahogany standing desk, bet I'm getting that. Like that's a, it's a whole thing. And it, and Instagram, it knows what I'm looking at in Amazon. It knows. And then all of a sudden I'm seeing this, like, it's like tempting me. It's like sitting out here tempting me. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like you're going to seduce me. It's like, I don't got enough camera gear already, man. Jesus. So um like it's it's real it's real instagram very much is tied to our consumerism our fomo and it works so yeah brand deals come through clutch on that so there's there's real there's a real substance to the idea that from a monetary standpoint yes if you're going to make that type of content post it in all three places with no watermark absolutely you should be doing that yeah but effort dollar ratios you know like effort to dollar ratios i'm telling you i feel like the money is really in youtube long form like medium medium to long form content and in instagram especially in lifestyle content and lifestyle can be a lot of things you could have tech lifestyle i have tech lifestyle content sarah dici has tech lifestyle content crystal laura does like you know you can you can combine you can be a tech content creator but do lifestyle and tech and that could be also like aesthetic and it can also with the reels you can also make it funny like mr who's the boss does some hilarious short form tech content Ethan does tech too Isa does tech does that and it's hilarious atola visuals Isa does tech and mr who's the boss killing it but again, it all comes down to what your objective is of the creator and your content strategy and if it makes sense for your audience. Because it might not make sense for your audience, but you as the creator, you have to come to that to that uh, determination. You can do short-form content, but does it make sense for your content strategy and your audience? Yep. Um, Sin- um, Sinalv Craft says... Uh, I'm glad you brought up that point. My Instagram and TikTok reels are performing better. My Instagram reels pay much better, hands down. Yeah, Instagram. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's funny though because when IGTV first came out, one of the biggest criticisms of IGTV was there there was no monetization program for creators. Mm-hmm. So Instagram hurried up and figured it out with IG reels, and now, like you said, they're making their creators are making good money with reels. But when IGTV first came out, oh, Instagram got lit up. They got lit up. Oh, they got ate up for it. I was sitting there. I was hitting them up on it. I was like, I was leaning in on that, dude. Like, I was like, mm-mm-mm. Oh, no, no, no. All right. Yeah. Uh, that nerd crew wants us to define lifestyle content. So there's a lot of ways people interpret lifestyle content, to be honest. A lot of people think of it purely in the context of vlogging or family uh, niche or things like that. But lifestyle is whatever your lifestyle could be like, and the way that a primary example is because you can combine it into anything. Primary example would be you could, um, you could look at the way that I do my Instagram. And the thing is it's technically lifestyle, but what, what is my sub niche of lifestyle is I'm showing you the lifestyle of working from home. Like that's what a lot of my like stuff is is this the lifestyle of working from home and it's the behind the scenes of that. And so what does that look like? That looks like bookcase tours, office tours, aesthetics and stuff like that. It's also behind the scenes uh, stuff. It's also uh, vlog like content about what my experiences are, what my day is, what I'm going through, uh, those type of things. It's also about the tech I use day to day. It's about me do uh, unboxing things. It is because that's my lifestyle. My lifestyle revolves around the fact that, hey, I work from home. 
I'm a new homeowner. I'm doing a renovation in my basement. I'm building my fate, my ultimate art studio. Hey, I'm a creative entrepreneur. I'm an artist. So what does a day in my life look like? Basically, you could took lifestyle content and say, what is a day in your life look like and who identifies with you? And the people who identify with me are creators, artists, entrepreneurs, tech enthusiasts, photographers, and creative professionals, artsy people. That those are the people who would identify with my lifestyle. The way I live my life would be similar to the way they live their life. So again, lifestyle content is about here's what a day in your life looks like. Yep. And mine obviously will be tech. Yeah, exactly. It's like day in Viper's life. The brands associated with a day in Viper's life are going to be um, Starbucks, going to be Sony coming in clutch with those headphones, Apple and Apple products, because she was the captain of Team Apple, of course, right. of, course. of course, you know, podcasting. So you got some road and you got some shore, you got some audio brands in there. You also have a workout lifestyle and everything like that. So it's about your your workout gear. Like, what do you wear? Under Armour or? Usually. Yeah, yeah. Under Armour, some Nike pretty sure so like you know it's like some under uh, under armor nike but you know what there's other brands that could come through brands they want to they can come through somebody could uh hook you up with like like vessi could hook you up with some you know uh sneakers and that would be a thing yeah athletic greens could hook you up that would be a brand that could sponsor you yeah, but like Roberto said, if, if I mean, obviously you're gonna cater it to your lifestyle because I mean, it's your lifestyle. I mean, you it's gonna be kind of hard to fake a lifestyle that you don't have. I mean, some people do it, but yeah, yeah. Catherine Manning's great. Like oh, Catherine yeah. Manning oh, is yeah. doing some great stuff with her content. Yep. You know, um, you're also you're also a nerd like me. You have um, like I have all mine is like Marvel, anime, Star Wars. You he have the Legos, the Batman, the huh? Yep. Got the Lego right back there, y'all. Mm-hmm. Right back there, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like you know, me. I got the like. I see that stormtrooper helmet. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, it is what it is. So you can, you know, you could, you could. There's, there's all kinds of ways to monetize these things. My issue is sometimes people take monetizing every aspect of their life too far. Yeah, and that's the one thing that I think uh, more people think I do that. Yeah, you don't have to monetize everything. Every aspect of your life does not need to be or should not be monetized. Some things you just, just you just need you uh you should have a private sector of your life that is just for you and not for the internet. Yes. You should exist outside of the internet. Like, you know, I don't necessarily like we live too much in a society that feels like Pixar it didn't happen, Pixar it didn't happen, poster it didn't happen. Um, I don't necessarily like that because yeah, uh, I think you know I think it ultimately just means you don't have any boundaries anymore and you don't have anything for yourself. And there's no, there's no intimacy for anybody in your life because they, the, the access to the access to you, there's no special access to you, right? There's like, Oh, literally living with you or being your friend in in real life is no different than following you on Instagram or Twitter or YouTube. There's no boundaries. There's no, what's the value of being intimate with you in any way, shape or form at that point. If you don't have any boundaries, what's sacred, what's special, what's private. Yep. My, and there's my, too many uh, people who grew up on the internet. There's too many boy. people who grew up on the internet and therefore don't have any boundaries. True story. My favorite example of this is I just seen. Mm -hmm. uh, for two years, without anybody on the internet knowing, she trained in jujitsu. Two years, we didn't even know until mm -hmm. so she told us like one day out of the blue. See, like yep. say, you got to set those boundaries. Everybody mm -hmm. doesn't need to know everything about what you're doing. They just they don't. Yeah, yeah. That's where it's like I don't necessarily. I'm not in love with the. I understand why people do it. I understand that it could to not do it could make people insecure. I hate this culture of oh, we made it Instagram official. I hate that making Instagram official is a thing. I hate that. Yep. Cause I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like, overboard. That, like, I don't, I feel like there's an added layer of pressure or intrusion into a relationship when you decide to make it the internet's business. Ooh, ain't that the truth, man? If it gets ugly, the last thing you need is your your relationship online. Now, again, like, and and somebody's bringing this up. Uh, like, I understand that some people get insecure and like, why don't you want me on your Instagram? It's like, do you want to be out there, you know, playing around? Is it like, are you not committed? It's like, I understand, I understand how some people can feel that way. 
I just feel like that's stupid sometimes because it's like um, I'm like, do you how much like like because I could flip it the other way. Are you with me for the attention that you'll get from my people? Asking a hard question now. That's yeah. like, a, you know, that's a thing. I mean, we have to, as influencers, we got to like worry about that. Like, hmm, do people have good intentions like out here? It's bad enough to have to worry about it from a money standpoint. <laughs> like yeah. you have to worry, worry about from a, oh, a career or cloud standpoint too. And and the, and the thing is, I like, I don't think I'm going to want when, I don't think I'm going to want my kids on social media. I think uh, posting on a private thing for the family members and stuff like that is one thing. Uh, yeah. But like for them to have easier access to that. But I don't want the entire world or the internet to have access to my kids when I have kids. You know, it, this, this conversation is kind of interesting because I remember talking to you, I think uh, a year or two ago about uh, if you ever got a, uh, 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 or when you are talking to girls or whatever, and you don't like telling females like about what you do because you told me that uh, then you would wonder if they're after you for your clout or for clout or whatever and things like that. Or are they just talking to you because you're Roberto Blake? So I just thought that was interesting when we had that conversation a while it's ago. It's like, because it's not just me that this happens to. This happens to oh, a yeah. lot of people oh, we I'm, know. I'm like cool. all the time, I've heard like some horror stories. There's some stalker stories to oh, be to, for real. Like there's some, there's some of that. That's always fun. Um, and yeah, it's it's this really weird thing. And it's like, and people think that you have to be mega famous to worry about this. It's like, no, you do not. Because to a regular average civilian, as we like to call them, to a civilian, 10,000 people is a lot of people. Um mm -hmm. And in reality, it is because statistically, most people never get that. Like, you know, like the top 10% get 10,000 followers on any platform. That's like, that's a real thing. Most people do not. 90% of humans will never have 10,000 followers on any platform. So, you you know, you do think about it. You do have to, and you can't just think about it in the back of your head either. You have to kind of think about it, have a plan for it and have a like conversation. And then also, do you really want, because in my case, my case if you know what I do and I, you know that I'm online and you're looking me up like that, it's also really easy to then find out how much money I make. And it's because uh, I put it, I, I'm transparent about that stuff to teach people, to educate people. I was one of the early people to doing that, to saying, here's exactly how much I make and how I make it. That's not a great thing in terms of meeting new people for them to just immediately be able to jump the line to... Yeah. That especially when it's a, not a small amount of money, when it's in the six figure range, it's not, or in the multiples of that, it's not, fun, or God forbid, if you're someone who makes seven figures, it's, um, it's not fun to immediately have people because they can't help treating you differently. Most yeah. people, most people, if they're not making that kind of money, they can't help treating you differently, looking at you differently, and you can immediately tell, and it immediately kind of takes the fun out of everything. To know that they're not just treating you how they would treat you in response to how you're behaving or what you like or how you present and everything like that. That they're just looking at you different either because of the money or the status. True story. Yep. You never know what people's intentions are. And if they have all that information on you, then you really don't know where they're coming from. And it just makes things that much harder. Yeah. Yeah. I find with other content creators, it's less of a problem because yeah. like we understand, yeah. Most, most content creators, even smaller content creators, do not treat you differently. Some do, and some fanboy and fangirl, but a lot of them, like, you know, they're much more, they're much more understanding about everything. You don't have yeah. to explain it to them a lot of the times. It's a little easier sometimes, I find, with content creators who have at least maybe reached, like, you know, five, ten thousand 10,000 in YouTube or something like that. Or, um, you know, more than that, if it's like TikTok or something like that, they have a more realistic expectation. of. It's not to say that it's not special. It's that they don't treat you with the same level of awe as somebody that's a civilian does. Yep. And sometimes it's easier to, to socialize and be uh, surrounded by the like-minded individual. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, having to disappear for you. Wow. You know, sometimes, I mean, you can do YouTube for a long time, but the thing is, there's like, there's, there's content that there's a total addressable market for, meaning like, you know, there's not, I'll give you a primary example, Viper, the iPhone is basically for everybody, right? Yep. 
more or less as long as you you know got a certain amount of money like you can get the lowest entry iphone for about what a smartphone is right the total addressable market or the total number of people that could buy the mac studio is like different than huh. the market for the iphone right even though apple makes the product right there is a much smaller it'd be like a tenth or less people like it'd be less maybe it's like like only one out of 50 of the people who would buy the iPhone could probably buy the Mac studio. Yep. And probably out of that group, like one out of 20 of those one out of 50, the studio display. Mm -hmm. So like, there's not a market for every type of content that's bigger as big as there's a market for every type of content, but there's not a large market for every type of content. Right. So it's like, so it's really, so it's really hard sometimes because again, I get everybody who has less than a thousand subscribers that's struggling. I get it. And I've started new channels before. I get it. It's rough. I mean, the podcast at one point, this podcast had less than a thousand. At one point, this podcast wasn't monetized. So I do get it. I do understand. The, the issue is that, and this is why at least with YouTube shorts, it's giving people an alternative. So for people who said, I've tried everything. YouTube shorts might give them some validation that there's an audience for them. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, YouTube shorts is a lot like playing the lottery these days. Uh, when they first started shorts, like they over a year ago, it's a lot better because you had a lot less competition, but now everybody's doing it. So your chance for blowing up is a lot less than what it was a year ago, but there's still a good chance. I mean, you have a much better chance of blowing up with shorts as opposed to making longer videos on YouTube. The views don't reflect it yet, dude, but I feel like my better content is podcast and um live streaming i think i'm a better live streamer podcaster and even probably now finally a better interviewer and a, even a better public speaker you've seen me speaking on stages before plenty of times i think i'm better at those things than i am at my regular my regular youtube content ironically my regular youtube content kind of made me and made those other things work but it's like i feel that people who do give my live streams my podcast and if they ever see me in an event, they feel like that content, they like that content better than all my other content. Like, oh. and that's what they tell me. Ooh, you are, you are punching me in the gut with that one. Yeah. Ali Abdal has videos documenting his journey to $1 million and also has publicly stated he's looking for a wife. I can imagine those conversations will be kind of a tricky at best. Well, he still is single. So uh, it it's <laughs> like he, he still is single despite that. So, you know, that yeah. is the thing. It's funny that you were talking about your live streams and your podcast uh, being your more preferred content because I've got multiple comments from people about how they like my live streams and they might like my podcast uh, and they feel like I should like really go deeper into that stuff as far as uh, again doing me doing regular video. But I'm just like, man, look, I want I prefer to do just regular video because I'm like you. The regular videos are what got me into the faces of the people that I live stream and podcast with. So. I don't just want to abandon, make a regular video. No, I don't think you should abandon it, but I do right. think you should do more of the podcast. Yeah. Indeed. Like I would love, I know you're not going to, but it's like, if you were going to podcast every day in April, I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> that would be it. Now and that would do be it do it that would actually doable. I just need to find like 30 people to, to do it. But oh, that's I think doable. you can do it. I think you can do it. I think also return, like bringing back some guests and everything, return guests. I mean, it's actually, it wouldn't be that hard Viper. You've got me, you got me, you got T, you got Prosser right at the bat. I'm sure Jenna will come through. I'm sure Shelly will come through. Like you have coffee talk people. Like, uh, you know, I'm sure you can get, you know, I'm sure you can get Austin Evans. I'm sure you can get Austin Evans. I'm sure you can get Benji Travis. I'm sure you can get Sean Cannell. I'm sure you can get Dean Nimmin. It's like, I have no, I do. I honestly believe even last minute that you can get 30 <laughs> guests, Viper. You, you might be right. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm pretty sure, homie. I'm pretty sure you could do it. It's like, hey, I'll come through twice. <laughs> I'll spin the I'll spin the block. I'll spin the block. So yeah. So like I mean, I think you could do it. Uh no pressure, because it, it'd start tomorrow. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, you could start tomorrow. I'll come through tomorrow. Well, tomorrow Friday night vibe, so I'll be streaming tomorrow anyway. Okay, bet. You can still do the podcast, though. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm not committing to anything. <laughs> you don't have to commit. I'm just saying, maybe, <laughs> maybe you do a pod every day. In you got to be careful because you are supposed to be doing it Thursday. Day. I'm gonna be looking at you, man. <laughs> don't be telling nobody. <laughs> you told him already. <laughs> don't be telling nobody because it was still supposed to be a maybe. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? But like, uh, but I might. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna see if I can pull it off. Like, I mean, I'm inspired by some people. I've been watching um, a lot of like Omni. Uh, he's a commentator. He's doing really well. Um, you know, he he's one of my favorite commentary channels and everything like that. He's one of the only like successful black commentators actually. Um, and I've been watching, um, obviously I've been watching Philip DeFranco for years. It's like, so I've been watching a lot of people who do daily or near daily content and I'm always impressed with it. PewDiePie does about daily content right now is it has been for years. Like, so people who can do, I used to be daily. I used to be daily. I had a way, I used to have a way to do daily. I used to, and you know what? I could do it. It's literally just a matter of grinding through that bloody edits. And the fact that my content's longer now than it used to be back in the day, back in the day, my videos were less than 10 minutes. Uh, now struggle to keep them under 20 <laughs> like uh struggle is real but yeah i mean you're you're a great podcaster viper you're a fantastic podcaster hell you got more episodes of your podcast than i do of mine um so you know that's a um that's a whole thing um uh cinevo Cinevolve uh, Craft says, I love all your content, but the lives are my favorite. The first live of yours was a rant in 2015 with Groot sitting beside you. Yeah, Groot uh, is more um, on the shelf. Baby Groot is on the shelf in my bedroom instead of on the bookcase now because um, I have another uh, shelf in my room with like a lot of my vinyl pop figures because now I have like I have more space. I've got some stuff moved down to the studio in the basement. So it's like, now I have all this space. Like, so some of the old uh, set and prop stuff, some people miss it, but it's like, it's not that I got rid of any of this stuff. It's just that it's now more spread out. <laughs> it's like, yeah, wait, so. wait, what were you, damn that. What were you and Groot talking about uh, seven years ago? What were y'all talking about? I have no idea. <laughs> Love it. Love it. I have no idea, dude. I've done I've done like over fifteen hundred videos on the main channel. Um, not all of them are still up, but like over a thousand of them are still up though. Um, and I've done over a hundred videos on the music channel now. We've got like seventy episodes of the podcast. How the how the how the music channel doing for you? It's going and it's doing well. Uh, still not monetized. It um, the rolling six three hundred sixty five days thing, and it's now like a little over a year old. So we're kind of like uh, halfway to monetization. Where we've met the subscriber requirements a long time ago. Uh, time wise, we we still need two thousand hours of watch time. We have lifetime more watch time. We just don't have it in a three hundred sixty five day period. Mm -hmm. The secret, though, I've realized is. Um, it's just going to come down to making more compilations. It's going to be more, and it's all of our original music. It's all Zenbuster original music, but it's going to, in fact, we could actually, we could actually play some for y'all. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's going to basically come down to doing more of the compilations. Uh, Cause what I have to do and what could work is if we have mixtapes, if we have like two to three hour mixtapes, which is basically either a 30 minute to an hour loop of music selection, but then looped three times with the same like animation or background or whatever. And we run that, those perform really well and they rack up hours, same thing, but the best performers do, the best performers are the 10 hour compilations, which is basically an hour on loop 10 times. So. Right. I remember, I think it was like three years ago, uh, they were talking about your rant in the chat. I remember a rant that you did when you were in, a, I think you were in the back room Uber and you were ranting about something. I don't remember what it was. Mm. But you were live in the back room Uber ranting about something. <laughs> I don't remember. I know it was in, it was in New York for sure. It had yeah, to be. Yep, I think it was, yep. Yeah, but I don't remember. <laughs> so uh, what camera are you using tonight, sir? This is still the uh, A6600. Uh, it's got the 35 millimeter on it, though. Ah, okay. 35 millimeter G Master. I'm all about that G Master glass. Right, G Master glass. I'm all G Master glass. Yeah. Right. Yep, 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 yep. Um, I've got two A7 Mark IVs. Uh, right now, they're uh, downstairs. Uh, and the main camera is still the A7S III, 
when I start doing interviews this summer, like when we go, like if I go to VidCon and I do any interviews, or if I go to Vid Summit and do interviews, I don't think I'll bring the. I don't think I, I don't know if I'll bring everything to VidCon. To be honest with you, it depends. If I'm speaking, I'll bring everything. But um, I even ordered the new Aperture uh, 60X. Like it's a it's a smaller light, but it's pretty powerful because I wanted something portable and powerful enough to where if I need more than whatever light is in the area to do like an interview properly, I can actually have like a, a light source or if I have to film in the hotel room, I can have a proper light. Interesting. Um, you know, instead of mounting, I mean, I could mount one of these small little lights on top of it, but I'm like, no, nah, I want a light. I want an actual light. Hey, got to be lit properly for sure. Yeah. Uh, Nerd Quinton acting at the 874 is good for video stuff. You tell me, I'm live streaming on it right now. Oh, it's fantastic. The autofocus is on point. It's like, it's all the things. It all is. Things. It is an amazing camera. Yeah. Yep. Uh, in the basement, there's a completely different set for the Creator Gear Guide channel now. So I'm starting that back up again this summer, but it's like going to be more of a once a week thing. But we're going to be doing batch recording for it. Um, so hopefully that works out and then we're able to get that monetized. Uh, we have the subscribers for it. Uh, we just need content and that then turns to watch time. Gotcha. Hey, uh, or TV Rock, I know you probably don't watch a lot of TV, but I know you keep up with some of the uh, Disney Plus stuff. Have Have you watched Moon Knight yet? Or are you planning on No, that's on deck tonight after I get, uh, after this uh, podcast episode, and then after I get uh, tonight's video out, which is already edited. It just needs a thumbnail and the optimization. So it'll be out before midnight. It'll be out before deadline. So um, I'll roll that out tonight, next 30 minutes or so. I'll roll that out tonight, and then um, I'll watch, like, first episode of moonlight as i fall asleep and that'll be that oh cool. yeah but yeah um with that we are gonna uh viper do you, do you have any last words for the audience who's listening uh to the audio version of the podcast because we're about to go into after show mode which is for the live viewers only so we're about to do that here but uh you have anything else you want to say to the audio listeners out in podcast land? Yeah. So I know if you're listening to this podcast right now, you're probably trying to figure out how to grow on YouTube. Maybe you hit a, uh, a wall or maybe you just don't know where to go next. So what I will tell you is uh, just don't give up. Just keep fighting, keep going because you never know when your moment will come. Um, that is the beautiful thing about YouTube. You can like go weeks on in, month on in without making any trash in it. And all of a sudden, trash and just come so don't give up uh just keep looking to roberto and uh watch other creators who are giving uh youtube education out and just keep grinding on your channel and a uh, good thing will come so that, that's my last bit of advice amen brother all right so let's go ahead and we're gonna go ahead and move into the after show everybody stay awesome on the audio side it's the after show Thank you for listening to the Create Something Awesome Today podcast. Hungry for more creative and practical ideas? Why not visit createsomethingawesometoday.com and access all resources and links mentioned in today's show, as well as special bonus content that Roberto regularly crafts for you. Now, go create something awesome today. Createsomethingawesometoday.com. <laughs>